This episode of Liberty Lighthouse first aired as National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting Network Thursday, June 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. No phone calls are being taken at this time. It's become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must eat America back Yes, we must take America back And that's why I'm broadcasting from my home studio In downtown Belfort, Pennsylvania, worldwide As National Intel Report on, on uh, Republic Broadcasting Network and Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo Vibo Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and anywhere else you hear or see this show. I, uh, speaking of hearing and or seeing, I, I decided to give YouTube a second shot. So if you were formerly a subscriber to my YouTube channel that was deleted by the censorship Nazis, you can resubscribe. The new one is at Liberty Lighthouse. And uh, it is not going to be live tonight, but it should be live by next week. This broadcast will be live on YouTube again until they delete me again, and then I'll probably give up. Uh, But for the second week, I believe we are broadcasting on Kick, as well as Twitch, Facebook, DLive, the RBN YouTube page, all kinds of places like that. Welcome to two hours of common sense and constitutional discussion. I am your host, Peter Seraphine, and I've got a, a pretty fun and exciting show planned for you tonight. We've got Scott Thompson from Right to Bear Insurance is going to join us at the bottom of this first hour, so right about 25 minutes. Scott's going to come on. I sent him an article a couple of days ago and said, hey, I think we should talk about this. And he said, that's a good article to talk about. So we're going to talk about a, a recently published news article. And since he's a you know licensed firearms dealer and sells carry insurance and teaches gun safety classes, you might guess that it has something to do with firearms, and you'd be right. Then, at the top of the second hour, so 7 p.m. Eastern Time, if you're watching live on Thursday night, uh, Lloyd Brunson is going to come back and tell us about his, uh, his, his SCOTUS case and what happened with it. You remember last week, Lloyd was on the show. And if you missed last week, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. That was a great show. Uh, Lloyd Brunson has a, a case in the uh, Supreme Court. He's a pro se litigant, meaning representing himself, which they almost never make it to the Supreme Court. And he is, uh, well, he's claiming that 358 members of Congress violated their oath of office, their binding oath of office, according to the Constitution, and therefore should be removed. And it's a very interesting case. And it went to conference last week, the same day that he was on the show, and he's got an update. So he's going to come on. That'll be at 7 o'clock in uh, just under an hour right here. I'm pretty excited about that. Now, this is the last time that I am going to be on air before the end of Pride Month. And like a typical white male misogynist pig that I am, I have not really recognized Pride Month, and I'd like to do so now. So for the rest of this month, I would like to choose my pronoun. 
And the pronoun that I expect you to use is your majesty. So if you call in, because this is a live tele, uh, live broadcast, you call in at 512-248-8252. I expect you to call me your majesty. Otherwise, you're a homophobic bigot. So uh, I expect to hear that this evening. Other news. Joe Biden. Oh, my God. What is he thinking? Joe Biden seems to have kicked off his presidential campaign for re-election. He, he's actually doing campaign events, which is an amazing a feat of itself. But he is touting the economy. I'd really love to hear what you out there in uh, the rest of the world, you in middle America, have to say about Biden uh, what are, what's, what's, what are they called? Bidenomics. Yeah, Bidenomics. I've got some numbers. I like numbers. Numbers are hard to argue with. Does anybody remember what a gallon of gasoline cost on Inauguration Day 2021, January 20th, 2021? I do. It was $2.00 and 39 cents and that was after it had already gone up 16 29 there's two dollars and 39 cents it had already gone up like over 40 cents from election day like immediately biden got elected gas prices started going up on election day 2020 the average price of a gallon of gas in the united states was one dollar and 86 cents on inauguration day, the day that he, you know, raised his hand and you know swore in and all that nonsense, it was two dollars and thirty-nine cents. You know what the average price of a gallon of gas was yesterday across the United States? Three dollars and fifty-six cents. So that's a that's a one dollar and seventeen cent per gallon increase in the cost of gasoline since uh, Biden took office. Now, he's going to claim, well, it's down $3 from its height or whatever. But he caused that height. Biden caused gas prices to skyrocket shortly after coming into office. And now he wants to claim victory because they've come back down. But they haven't come back down far enough. They have not come back down to what they were before he took office. So I don't count that as a victory. So $1.17 more per gallon. That's a 49% increase since he took office. So that made me think, hmm, what's that really cost? You and I, the citizens, the drivers in this country, but before we get to that, I want to say thank you to Sarah Nichols, who uh, has already called me your majesty over in the Facebook chat room and has shared out the show on social media, which is the best thing that you can do to help RBN and Mojo 5 Radio and independent broadcasters like myself get past the algorithms and build an audience and all of those kinds of things. So if you like what I do, or if you like the network that I'm on, then uh, share out the show. 
share it on social media platforms, send it in text messages to your friends, get other people to listen. And I also want to say thank you to Leprechaun, the Kentucky Leprechaun, one of my friends, also over there. He's in the Twitch chat room. That's my preferred way, if you if you really care. If you're going to watch the video of the show, I really like it when you watch via Twitch. Because if you watch via Twitch, I see your messages. It's it, I've never had any problems with Twitch. And then there's Sarah again. She's also watching from Kick. Apparently, she's going to all of them. It's awesome. Anyway, so $1.17 more a gallon. What do you think that costs the average American motorist in a year? Well, according to AAA, the average driver in the United States drives 13,500 miles a year. 13,500 miles a year. So if you, I don't know, just pick a number. Let's say you get 30 miles to the gallon. That means you're going to use 450 gallons a year. And that $1.17 a gallon more in price that you're paying, thank you, Mr. Biden, is going to cost you $525 a year in gasoline. Hmm. That's that's something. $500 for uh, gas. Ouch, that hurts, right? Yeah, it gets worse. I've got more numbers going to be fun. But before we do that, uh, before I forget, let's talk about MyPillow. I'm sure you've all heard about the MyPillow 2.0. I haven't got that one yet. That's the one that's got, that's it coated in cooling fabric so that you never have that cool as the other side of the pillow thing going on. Your pillow is always cool everywhere. It sucks the heat off your face. And uh, i got to get one of those. But I do have two of the traditional MyPillows. I've got the the, uh, the sheets, which are the best sheets I've ever had. The MyGees of Dream Sheets, oh, they're awesome. And the towels, love the towels. Bought them, tried them, threw my old towels away. They're, the MyPillow towels are great. Love them. You, too, can get your, your MyPillow stuff by going to MyPillow.com. And use the code LIGHTHOUSE while you're there. I'll get you up to 66% off. And uh, you'll help me out in the process. And I greatly appreciate that. MyPillow.com. Use the code Lighthouse. So we're already at you know $525 a year in the cost of gasoline. Well, I just heard today the, uh, was it the Realtors Group. Uh, home sales, the number of homes being sold in our country, is down 22% over last year. That's the worst, the, the, the biggest drop in, in decades, 22%. Now, why would home sales be down? Oh, I know. Uh, 11 consecutive interest rate hikes, maybe? Hmm. So that made me look into interest rates. A 30-year fixed mortgage interest rate on Inauguration Day 2021 was 2.65%. 2.65% on January 20, 2021. And then President Biden raises his right hand and puts his left hand on the Satanic Bible or whatever he put it on, and he swears in his oath of office. And guess what it is today? 
Guess what the average interest rate is for a 30-year fixed mortgage in the United States of America right now? 7.51%. That's a 283% increase in, in mortgage interest rate. 283%. Holy crap. So again, that makes me go, well, that, what's that cost you or me? Well, let's say it's a $100,000 loan. Now, keep in mind that the median home sale price in this country is over $300,000. But just for round numbers sake, let's say you're mortgaging $100,000. That difference between 2.65 and 7.51% is going to cost you $528 a month on your $100,000 mortgage. So if you buy a $300,000 house, now you're talking $1,500, $1,600 a month because of interest rates. Oh, gee, I wonder why home sales are down by 22% over last year. That's huge. Huge. $525 a month is more than my mortgage now. It's actually more than my two mortgages. I have a first mortgage and I have a home equity line of credit that I use when something breaks and I need to fix it. And my payment on those two mortgages combined is less than how much a $100,000 mortgage has gone up because of Joe Biden's interest rates. That's insane to me. No wonder anybody is nobody is buying houses. I mean, nobody, anybody on the lower end certainly isn't. If you're middle class or lower middle class, you're not going to buy a house right now. You'd be stupid to. It's craziness. And uh, hey, welcome to Hugh Janus over there in the Twitch chat room as well. Had a nice chat with you uh, last week or two weeks ago or whatever that was. That was fun. Um, so the Joe Biden economy or Bidenomics, I believe is what they're calling it. Okay, he's talking about all of the jobs created and the low unemployment rate. And sure, unemployment rate is low. But that doesn't help when everybody in the country is getting robbed and raped with all of these rate hikes. If you add that together, if you add the $525 a year more that the average person is spending in gasoline and the $528 a month more that you have to pay on a $100,000 mortgage, you add that all together, you're approaching $7,000 a year that all goes to Biden inflation, the Biden economy, $7,000 a year. Who can afford that? And even if you can afford it, why would you want to? This is insane. We've got uh, 10 minutes before the end of this here first segment. I want to hear your stories about how 
how has Bidenomics affected your lives, your wallet, your pocketbook, all of those kinds of things? And uh, while I'm waiting for you to call in, let's bring Mr. Scott Thompson. He showed up early. He looks like he's ready to go. Let's get him in here. And now, welcome to the studio, FFL holder, firearms instructor, and representative for Right to Bear Arms Insurance and all-around badass, Scott Thompson. (laughs) Hey, welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I think the intro gets better and better every week. I like it. Yeah, I got somebody else to do it. (laughs) That was nice. He he actually did... uh, I don't know, like five of them. He did a bunch. He he voiced over, a, you know, for all of my recurring guests every month. And you'll have to listen the next time I have Dr. Jen Vandewater on, because the one that he did for her is freaking hilarious. All right. I can't wait. And I, I, I'm so tempted to, like, reach over here and touch the button and play it, but I don't want to spoil the surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah you got a point there. That'll be good. I can't wait. I, I want to see see her face when, when it plays. <laughs> I, I suspect it's going to be funny. Anyway, Scott, I sent you a news article and uh, said, hey, we should talk about this the next time you're on the show. And then I realized, hey, this is the fifth Thursday of the month, and I don't have any regular scheduled recurring guests on the fifth Thursdays because they only happen like twice a year. And you were kind enough to, to jump in and say, yeah, sure, I'll come on. So the um, hmm, let's start with the headline of the article. Hollywood may tell you differently. But reality includes these 12 examples of defensive gun use. So, hey, wait. Somebody uses firearms to stop crime? Is is that what that headline is suggesting? Yeah, yeah. And and they're saying, you know, it doesn't happen. That's That's not how things happen in the world. Guns only kill people. Um, and that's, unfortunately, that's the message that, that they do try to push is that guns only kill people. And usually they only kill children, innocent, innocent people, innocent (laughs) children. Um, they're never used for, for anything else that could be good in the world. And nobody should have them. I I could be wrong, but I bet if you were to go back and like dig up sound bites, you could find the progression where, you know, handguns kill people. Yep. Handguns kill innocent people handguns kill innocent children handguns kill innocent minority children and <laughs> and like you know what's going to come after that like it's it's funniness right anyway right. if anybody wants to look up the article it's on the daily signal from uh, june 7th hollywood may tell you differently but reality includes these 12 examples of defensive gun use what i found interesting was the study pretty close to the beginning of, of the article about how many times, how often a handgun is used in a defensive way. I'm not surprised. It, it was a bigger number than I expected anybody to ever admit. Yeah, and, and, and part of the reason I'm not surprised, I haven't been on there in a little while. I've had some some issue, um, but I have not been on YouTube in a while. Remember you said one point I was posting every day. Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know what? I should post um, what I called good guy with a gun or good girl with a gun. And anytime I come across something, because it's got to be rare, anytime I come across something that's actually reported on where a good guy or a good girl used a gun, um, I I would do a story about it. And it was happening several times a week. Really? Um, And and you've got to – so I I cheat a little. Um, You can set on Google 
you can set alerts for mm -hmm. for um, media yep. um, things that happen. So I do I do an alert for um, gun arrest, concealed carry, uh, or gun owner, and so I get those stories. But there, so there are some very usually very small newspapers um, or online papers that tell the story, but I bet you people who aren't gun users, gun owners would be surprised because they've been told that it doesn't ever happen. Right. Guns, guns are never used for defensive purposes or for sport. Um, they're, they can only be used for, for bad things, evil things. Um, that's after all, that's why they're called assault weapons, right? Because right. you use them to assault people. Um, and that's what, that's what they're selling. It happens so frequently. It happens so frequently that, that good people save their lives or the lives of someone else. Sometimes it's a stranger they're saving. Um, if you think back to Indianapolis, um, the, the mall shooter. Yeah. Um, he, he, oh, my God, that kid was freaking amazing. Absolutely. He was, I think they said, 40 feet away. 40 um, yards. Or 40 yards. Like yeah, so 120 40 yards. Feet. So 120 feet with a, with a 9 millimeter, and he takes three shots, I think it was, and two of them hit the target and, and stop the threat, which – for anyone who's ever shot, that's an amazing job, especially under stress. Right. Um, and 40 yards is, that's quite the distance with a handgun. Yeah. 40 oh. yards under stress of, you know, stress of, hey, there's an active shooter in a crowded and, situation. And a lot of times you don't even practice 40 yards. No. Um, because, because you would think, when am I ever going to be in a situation where I'm going to need to shoot someone. And I'm talking in my, in my law enforcement career, we did training yeah. on some of that, but, but in a civilian capacity, when am I ever going to need to shoot someone? When is it going to be justified to shoot someone 40 yards, 120 feet away? And that was the case where, where it was and, and definitely what happened, justified. What happened after the fact? I the believe media. he was charged for you having know, a gun in the mall. And the mall doesn't doesn't allow guns. I know they were looking to. I don't know if they ended up doing it, but unfortunately, that's what the um, left leaning um, media outlets were focusing on. Not the fact that he just saved lives. In fact, they took offense to the fact of anyone calling him a good Samaritan. That you know, because, he's a freaking hero. Is what absolutely, he is. absolutely a hero. I would call him a good Samaritan. And they took offense because they said, you know, a Samaritan in the Bible was something totally different. And you can't use someone who kills someone as a Samaritan. And it's funny how the left gets biblical mm -hmm. when it suits them. Um, but when it doesn't suit them, they just as rather throw God in the trash. Right. Um, so, that yeah. So kid, it, it was that kid had amazing marksmanship skills. And I say kid, I don't know. He was 20, 25. Yeah. Early. Yeah. He was young. Anybody under. 35 as a kid to me um <laughs> that kid had showed amazing marksmanship skills and and saved who knows how many lives yep and and the fact of the matter is you can't even ever look that up because you know what mm -hmm. are they you know a mass shooting is what three or more people in one single incident so yep. so i walk in to some office building and i shoot somebody and then you, the good guy with the gun, shoots me. Only two right. people were shot. Yep. That never counts on any of the mass shooting. Correct. Statistics. Correct. Yep. 
Yep. So, so that would have, you're right. And, and, the, and there's really, it's hard to quantify that ever, how much a gun has mm-hmm. saved. Because there's, I bet you there's a lot of people that have gotten into situations that could have gotten out of hand that let it be known that they have a firearm and the other person, the aggressor, back down. Back down. Yeah. And, and, and the person, you know, for whatever reason, didn't follow up with law enforcement, didn't make a report, didn't get the news. Um, so I think that's a very, very valid point that you don't know how many people have been yeah. saved. Well, my beautiful wife uh, just rolls her eyes now when I put the gun in the hip. She doesn't actually say anything anymore. But uh, when we come back on the other side of this break, I want to get into the actual numbers that the CDC even admits of how many gun, defensive gun use things happen. Commercial break. Be back in three minutes. Prize nominated for his COVID-19 treatment protocols, the late Dr. Zelenko created Z-Stack to help boost your immune system. And when you order Z-Stack, you're not only boosting your immune system, you're also supporting Freedom Fighters Foundation. So boost your immune system by going to ZStackLife.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. Be healthier. Support the Freedom Fighters Foundation. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at ZStackLife.com. This episode of Liberty Lighthouse first aired as National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting Network Thursday, June 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. No phone calls are being taken at this time. What has come to be? Yeah, what has come to be? Watching TV is a bad idea anymore. Welcome back. I'm Peter Seraphine. Please remember to support free speech. Whatever free speech platform you're watching or listening to this show from, whatever network it is, support them. Go to their website. Go to my website. Use their promo codes. Use my promo code. Mine's Lighthouse pretty much everywhere. And uh, help us. Appreciate it. And the one thing you can do for free is share out the show. Let other people know what's going on. We got a caller on, on hold. But before we get to him, I want to get to that number. So the CDC, the Center for Disease Control... The permanent Washington, D.C. folk acknowledged, and of course now my phone is frozen and it's a plain white screen that I can't read, uh, that anywhere between 60,000 and 3 million defensive gun use happens every year in the United States. And it actually averaged out to be 1.6 million times a year a gun is used defensively in our nation. If you look at that, that means, let's say that every instance saves one life. That's over 1 million lives saved every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. When you look at the CDC numbers for how many, how many people were killed by guns, and we'll talk about that number in just a second. But when you look at that number and how they derive that, um, I think it's 40,000. But the vast majority of those are actually suicide. Yeah, over half. Yeah. So, so now let's, let's say it's, it's 25,000. So 25,000 people were killed by guns in a criminal way. But a million people were saved by guns. Boy, is there a reason they're not telling you the other side of the coin? Yeah, they want your guns. 
Yeah. All right. All right. Let's go to the go to the phones. I didn't even see the fact that we had Charlie in Florida on line one. I wouldn't have kept you holding so long, Charlie. I missed it. Sorry. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Peter? Oh, I'm good. Wait. How are you? I'm Your Majesty. I forgot. Thank you. It's a, Thank you. Very is that much. correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, uh, Scott, I, I, I want to. I, I want to be addressed by uh, hit your sperm well because. Yes. Uh, you know, the furries are starting to take over and the transgenders and everything. And I figured, well, if they can be something they want to be, I want to be a sperm whale. Why not? So I guess we could call me the sperm whale here. Anyway, well, we... I, of course, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm calling in, actually, because you were asking earlier about wanting to get some figures or what people are uh, feeling the pinch, you know, as to what's going on out here in the in the economy. And uh, those are some interesting figures, by the way, on the gun on the gun assaults, and I mean on the I shouldn't say assaults on the on the uh, people that use it in a defensive manner. I thought that was really interesting. But I am wanting to change the subject just a tad here because where I'm finding the pinch. Okay, now listen, I I I I don't buy a lot of groceries. I live by myself. My wife has passed. And I've noticed that my grocery bills have gone more than doubled in the last last couple of years. Yeah, more than doubled. Mm-hmm. And that it's starting actually to put a real pinch on me. And the other day I heard that the average American is fifty five thousand dollars in debt. You know, oh, and I think yeah, a lot was, of people are out here living on their credit cards. That was you know, another I, statistic I was going to bring up, and I and I and I forgot. The uh, the American consumer, American consumers, added a trillion dollars to their credit card debt, their unsecured debt last year. It's the biggest it's ever been, and it's crazy because you will eventually it's gonna it's gonna shut you down. And this guy, because you can't keep up with credit cards, most of them are at such high interest rates. And it just keeps piling and piling on and piling on. It, it's insane to try to live off your credit cards. But if you got to do what you got to do, but I think that's what people are being forced into. It's like me. Okay, I I I noticed that. See, I was doing pretty good all along, and then all of a sudden I had a hiccup. You know, and when you have a hiccup, it, this hiccup I had to replace uh, some electrical panels, inside and outside. It cost me seven thousand bucks. Okay. Now I put that on payments, right? But see, it's another payment I got to make every month, and now I'm getting to where I'm. I, I can't afford anything else. Any more payments? I can't afford any, any of that because I live on a fixed income. I'm retired, and I do have some private savings that I tap into once in a while. But I try to stay out of that because I wanted to try to build as much as I can. But I'm getting to where I have to tap into it almost every month now, mm-hmm. and. You know, this guy, Klaus Schwab, he says, you will own nothing and, and you will be happy. Well, I don't know about the being happy part, but I do definitely see this working towards a society where we're not going to have anything. That, you that's you what, follow what I'm saying? That's definitely what they're got, trying to do. And I have to say, I, I really feel for the people that, that got pounced and, and trounced and beat on over the COVID, you know, not being able to go to work and everything like that. I, I was fortunate, you know, I'm a mailman. I didn't miss a day of work. Didn't miss a single paycheck. I, I'm doing fine. But even even though I'm doing fine, that doesn't mean I, I don't notice that my natural gas heating bill 
tripled over the course of the last two years. I, I noticed my, my grocery bill. I noticed these things. I, well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's like I, I buy ground beef or ham or hamburger or, you know, the round. I don't buy steaks and stuff. But it's getting to where I every time I go in and out of the grocery store, it's three or four hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I mean, I'm hosting Independence Day party that you know come Monday, having it on Monday, um, and and I'm I'm not looking forward to the bill for the grocery the, the grocery bill for the party come Sunday when I when I go to the store. That's that's not going to be fun. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I see, and that's the thing. We're, I think everybody's getting strapped, and, and you can't go without hiccups in life. They're just going to happen. You know, yep. uh, your car breaks down or something, you know, and you have to get a new car. And, and God, don't even try to buy a used car these days. No. They're, they're, they're incredibly high. I mean, it, 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 people are, we're being pushed to the limits here. And yeah, I, this has all started since Biden took office, really. Right. Like, like, like I showed. Like I showed at the beginning of the first segment, I gave you the numbers the day he took office, and I gave you the numbers today. It's it, there's no way of saying that. Oh well, you know that was Trump's fault. It can't be done. Anyway, Charlie, no, and that's that's why I'll, I'm voting for Trump again too, because he may have all these problems, but he's all about the economy. It's the economy, stupid. Remember that saying, that old uh-huh. saying that it is the economy, stupid. But I don't think it's going to matter because they're going to steal the election again anyway. But, I mean, God help us if they do, and I know they will. But, I mean, I, I just pray and hope to God that we can get somebody in there that's going to work for the American people again like Trump did and work oh, yes. for our economy. Somebody who actually All right, thank you guys. Their, their binding oath. Thank you very much, Charlie. Greatly appreciate it. Mr. Chris Steiner, the host of Liberation Station, Line Hi. 3. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for the... Thanks for the great show, and I, I really want to encourage folks to call into other talk shows and point out these incidents of successful self-defense, and uh, when they try to vilify them, like uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, I want to bring up that, um, you know, they, they say that he was racist when he defended himself when he was chased across a parking lot, and on the video you can see, uh, you know, he, he was hit by a skateboard, and um, <clears throat> then he... Uh, he was not back on his uh, on his back when he shot the three and uh, killed two of them. None of whom one of which was holding a gun and pointed yeah. at him. Yeah, the, the survivor admitted to admitted to pointing a gun. Um, so I refer you know, to him as is no bicep boy. Pardon me. I refer to him as no bicep boy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe he's, well, maybe he didn't, didn't skip leg day and had a chance to run after Kyle. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, but, uh, you know, call in the talk shows, ask him what did Kyle Rittenhouse do wrong? What makes him a racist? Um, he was just a security guard at the demonstration for Jacob Blake, who was a black guy who was shot by police. But there were no blacks involved. Um, you know, National Geographic. Mm-hmm says that there were two that he shot two black men killed two black men um guardian and reverend al sharpton calling him a racist as well Mm -hmm. and all over the media so you know the only thing i can find he did wrong was that uh you know if he had been just a year older if he'd been 18 then it would have been legal for him to openly carry but um you know ask these questions what did he do wrong what makes him a racist uh would you have chased him down 
uh, and have you seen the video? That's maybe should be the first question asked because oftentimes they haven't seen the video that the uh, FBI withheld. And um, when it was, you know, the exculpatory evidence, they withheld the clear video of him being chased across the parking lot. And then they released the clear video. So that, that was also uh, instrumental in, in um, uh, vindicating him. But, um, you know, they come up with so many, so many, uh, uh, Reasons also to claim he shouldn't have been there. Uh, he, she was—he was in a militia, but he was not. Uh, they say—they uh, say he was in a militia, but he certainly wasn't. Um, his father did live in Kenosha, um, and uh, Kyle himself was a lifeguard in, in Kenosha, and he was upset seeing his community go up in flames, um, mm-hmm. trying to protect his grandparents' uh, car lot that was just torched the night before. Uh, he tried to run to the safety of the police. Um, you know, all the ones who attacked him uh, had serious criminal records, like uh, you know, uh, being a pedophile. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even uh, Anthony Huber is the one you mentioned. Uh, he admitted to pointing the gun at him. Uh, so that really <laughs> that was the moment. And he was that, a, he um, was a convicted felon, which yeah. means he pointed uh-huh. an illegal gun at him. He was not allowed to carry. Right. And uh, and so you know if they if they want to claim that you're because you're not allowed to carry that you shouldn't be able to defend yourself, they're arguing against their own right to self defense. That's that's what they need to be pointed that, that with without any facts. And they've been told uh, that this fellow is racist. Well, what about the there's the case of uh, Andrew Coffey the fourth, who uh, oh he happens to be black, but um, you know he. He was uh, a felon in possession of firearms, and the police uh, raided his house, admitted that they didn't announce themselves, and and uh, his girlfriend was killed in the process. They charged him for that death. and But he beat the charges, even though he was uh, not allowed to own a firearm because he did have his right to self-defense intact. So, you know, Gassi shows, uh, call talk shows and say, well, you know, should he have been, by the same standard, charged or uh, not charged, but uh, convicted of, of murder. Well, I mean, oh, and by the way, he's black. You know, bring maybe bring that up at the very end there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've done that before, and you, you just find them speechless. It's very entertaining to see them squirm and, and uh, find them speechless with, with a, a, another a real-life analogy. Yeah. yeah. And, well, that article that, that uh, I sent to Scott has, uh, tw- I think it's 12, um, they send it out every month, or they write an article every month, highlighting the defensive gun uses every month, and and it says the examples below represent only a small portion of the news stories on defensive gun use that we found in May. So there's 12 listed here, and it's only a small portion of what they found. Yep, and that's every month. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Chris. I'll let you go and keep moving All on. Right. All right, thanks, brothers. Take care. Anything to add to that, Scott, before we take the next call? Yeah, I just want to say, you know, that's when he brings up the Kyle Rittenhouse and some of the other ones, these are types of cases that I bring up when I'm talking to people about right to bear, in that if you defend yourself, are you sure that you're not going to be the political scapegoat of the gun left, that whether you did everything right to protect yourself and your loved ones, you're now being criminally prosecuted, not because what you did was wrong, 
but because there's an agenda against you being a gun owner and being able to defend yourself. Yep. Um, because we've, we've all seen it. And, and I ask people when I'm doing events, have you seen anything in the media where someone you think was arrested but didn't commit a crime? And hands go up all over. Um, and some yep. people have personal experiences. And I've seen, you know, I'm out of law enforcement now. I can talk a little bit more freely. Um, but I've seen cases where maybe the probable cause is a little bit weak. But they say, you know what, if we don't make an arrest, then the, the media is going to be all over us. The, the, we're going to have riots in the streets. Maybe we make the arrest and we'll let the state attorney's office drop the charges later. Mm-hmm. And then the state attorney says, well, I'm an elected official, too. Yeah. So if I drop the charges, then the media is coming after me. I'm not getting reelected. Then, the, you know, the, the people are going to riot against me. So I'll just I'll take it to trial and then we'll let the jury decide. And and so now, and that's what kind of happened if you look at the, the Kyle Rittenhouse case, um, because as you watch the trial, it was so weak and so not prosecutable. I mean, certainly not to, you know, pro, uh, probable cause is here and proof beyond a reasonable doubt is here. And there's a lot of leeway in between. They were, they were never going to get to that proof beyond a reasonable doubt because their own witnesses testified that against them essentially yeah, anybody um, who anybody who saw any of the video right clearly saw that the poor kid was was acting in self defense should yeah. he have been there in the first place you know you can say no he shouldn't have been but that's irrelevant right and 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 you could say the same thing too the people who got shot should they have been there should they have been there chasing somebody with a gun let me give you a clue if someone has a gun don't you probably shouldn't go chasing after them. Yeah. Um, right. So back to Right to Bear, the yeah. sponsor of this segment of the show, Right to Bear. Go to protectwithbear.com. Use the code Lighthouse and save 10%. Plans starting at $11 a month. The most affordable plans on the market, according to Pew Pew Tactical. Yes. And, and you're going to have... Oops, sorry. Go ahead. Well, you're going to have unlimited criminal defense start to finish for that $11 a month. Um, I recommend everybody get get a plan. It's, you know, obviously I'm going to be biased because I work with Right to Bear, but Right to Bear is the most cost of, or the most value-centered, cost-effective self-defense legal plan in America. They cover instances uh, or they, they, they provide coverage limits that nobody else in the industry does. Um, not only are you getting the, the unlimited criminal and civil defense, but they're going to give you a, a gun replacement. If your gun is taken um, as evidence, you're probably not going to ever see that gun again. They're going to replace it with a like-size like gun, a like-style make and model. Um, also, they're going to give you psychological support because if, you've had, if you had to shoot somebody, you may want to talk to somebody about that. They're going to cover that for you. There's so many other benefits they have, bail bond coverage. I highly recommend everyone check protectwithbear.com, and it's very, very important at the last step before you pay to put in there for the promo code Liberty Lighthouse. Nope. Get your 10% just off. Lighthouse. I'm sorry, just Lighthouse. Ah, I keep getting that wrong. Um, and it's right there in front of me. Um, you'll get 10% off with Lighthouse, um, and you'll lock in the rate. And if the rate goes up, which I think it is you know, with this economy – um, rates are going up for everything. I think there's going to be a slight increase in the price of right to bear coming up soon. 
But if you get signed up before that increase happens, you get to continue on. You'll never pay more. The rates will never go up for you. It's recession proof once you're a member. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yes. Awesome. So protectwithbear.com, use code Lighthouse at checkout. Harley in Indiana, line five. Welcome to the show. Just wanted to comment uh, back on Indianapolis, the gentleman down there with the nine millimeter, and such accuracy is awesome. But uh, the main thing I wanted to comment about is that it's on the news this morning here. I'm in Indiana that uh, somewhere down in Indianapolis area, they're trying to make it a gun-free zone to do away with the fact that uh, you know Indiana has authorized uh, our citizens to carry guns without a permit, and they're upset. So they want to stop it. And then I, I don't know if you ever heard of Project Appleseed or not, which is teaching people how to use a rifle. No, I don't know that one. No. Well, I, I would like, then uh, I would like to say, uh, go to Project Appleseed on Facebook. They've been, uh, they're all across the country, my understanding. And my son's gone a couple times, and I have their booklet. It's called Project App- Appleseed Guidebook to Rifle Marksmanship. Marksmanship. And from him, I got a uh, a large thing, a newspaper reprint from after the uh, shot heard around the world, telling the story of all the people that were shot and killed from America back then. Awesome. It's, it's, it's an awesome document. And then real quick, because there's so many things we could touch on and you need to move on. So I'd, I'd just like to read a quick quote from uh, John Adams to Abigail Adams. April 26, 1777. And he says, Posterity, you will never know how much it costs the present generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make good use of it. If you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it. Letter to Abigail Adams, April 26, 1777. And that's Project Appleseed Guidebook to Rival Marksmanship. The first thing they do about my understanding, I haven't been there, my son has with his daughters. The first thing they do is teach like an hour or two hours of American history during the Revolution. And then they Good have stuff. two days of training. Good stuff. So I'll let you go after that. But, yeah, they, they definitely want our guns. And then I will comment. The insurance sounds awesome. Because I'll tell you what, I carry once in a while. But it's, it is such a huge responsibility to put an arm on my hip and carry it. Yep, it is. And well, I will tell you it, this. It, yes. It, it covers you with your guns or any other legal weapon. So if you don't have your gun with you and you have to defend yourself any other way, they're going to defend you start to finish. Um, let's say you're driving down the street and someone tries to carjack you and you can't get away, but you turn that steering wheel and you drive your SUV over that person, that's a self-defense situation. You use that vehicle as a weapon, right to bear yes. is going to defend you. So it, well, it's, That sounds it's, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I'm going to look into myself and recommend my sons do. Hey, if you get what? signed up, I want you to send an email um, to, to Peter, and I'll get you some right to bear patches also. If you sign up with Lighthouse, I'll get you. I'll get you taken care of. I'll get a nice little gift kit to you. Well, that sounds great. I have patches from 1992 from the militia of the state of Indiana. Excellent! Wow, awesome. My sons, when they were seven and eight, seven and eight years old, was voted on by them to join the militia and train with the militia, and they carried the only thing I could afford: the SKs. Yep. 
Hey, thanks, Hartley. I got two more callers and only seven minutes to get to them. Well, let me go. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thanks for your call. Pat in Fort Worth, line nine. I didn't even know we had nine phone lines. Welcome to the show, Pat. Hi, Your Majesty. I wanted to say uh, when Dick Cheney uh, was hunting uh, with companions, I think he shot his lawyer. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, the Americans for Gun Safety, uh, something other, uh, said that uh, uh, you need to determine ahead of time the zone of fire. Uh, and uh, within which each hunter will track and fire should the game suddenly appear. And and don't forget the principles of uh, overlapping responsibility. It's not just a shooter's job to make sure that downrange is clear. Uh, it's also the job of the bystanders to keep out of the line of fire. So uh, there you go, just hunting, you know, uh, uh, would cause you to need that insurance <laughs> if you weren't exchanged. <laughs> but I, I wanted to say, uh, too, uh, that I have all to get see. Are you making that commercial about octogenarians on RBN? I, I don't remember. I'm, I, oh, uh, was it was it the one about uh, Ron DeSantis and, and, and how Maybe. he should he should uh, embrace his youth and, you know, we don't need any more octogenarians in Washington, D.C.? Well, I, I, I never know if, if, if people are being uh, sarcastic or, or for real. But you know what? I'm an octogenarian, and, and, and uh, Trump is uh, almost an octogenarian. But we made sure that we took care of ourselves till now. He doesn't drink, uh, smoke, or take drugs or anything. So an octogenarian might be just a, you know, a, just a, a, a number, okay? <laughs> I love you, Pat, but I don't want you in Washington, D.C. as an elected official once you're an octogenarian anymore. (laughs) Well, who wants to do it, you know? Uh, (laughs) By now, apparently, they can't even find somebody to run for the Senate in in, uh, Baltimore. And, and hey, anybody out there want to do it? (laughs) I mean, really, uh, you know, it's poor old Ted Cruz. They come after him now, and they got a a slogan, lose cruise, you know, and oh my gosh, I'm telling you, I don't know why anybody would want to do it. So if they want to do it, we sure shouldn't uh, uh, fault them for their age. Right. <laughs> that means they have that much more experience. Yeah, hey, you know, Reagan there, used that line. Reagan used that there, line during the debate. It didn't happen that way. I was there. <laughs> I'll let you go now. Okay, thank you. Reagan used that line, and that's the difference between Reagan and Biden. Like, I think it was 1979 when he was running for the presidency. He was in the debate, and he said, "You know, somebody said to him during the debate, you know, your your opponent has made an issue of your age or something like that." And Reagan's response was, "I will not hold my opponent's youth or inexperience <laughs> against him." But Reagan was quick enough to come up with something like that. Right. Right. Joe it's- would be like, uh, 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 "Putin, I don't know." Did you see anyway. Joe walk off, walk off a uh, uh, um, MSNBC today? No, I missed that. Yeah, she she interviewed him, and then they're getting ready to go to commercial break, where typically you sit there until the break, and then you yep. leave. He just got up and walked away while nice. she was <laughs> going to commercial break. Lost, lost in place. Sarah in Oregon, lined one. Welcome to the show, Sarah, my first subscriber to my brand new YouTube channel, Liberty Lighthouse. You could come. 
I can call you your majesty. That because works for you. <laughs> and you free. Bye. Bye, Sarah. Thank you very much. Scott, I don't know if you, if you caught that. When, when I opened the show, I said, this is the last time I'm going to be on air for, during Pride Month. And I oh. have not made a big deal about it yet. But uh, So I chose my own pronouns. So for the rest of Pride Month, I expect to be called Your Majesty. Nice. And if you don't call me Your Majesty, you're a homophobic bigot. <laughs> yep. And racist. We can throw that in there, too. Right, and racist. Yep, you got to tie them all in. All right. Back to the article. 1.6 million is what it averages out to. Uh, actually, it says, in 2021, the the most comprehensive study ever conducted on defensive gun use said that 1.6 million defensive gun uses occur in the United States every year. And yep. like, like you said earlier, if each one of those 1.6 million saved one life of one innocent person, that's 1.6 million saved. Yep. And, and, and you can, you can almost say that if it got to the level where a gun was used for defensive purposes, um, there was at least one life saved there. Yeah. At least. Yeah. One of my favorite defensive gun uses I've ever seen in video form. uh, It looks like it's like a Walmart checkout and the guy in line pulls a knife out and points it at the cashier. And the guy behind him, who's short and pudgy and doesn't look like a threat, but he draws a gun and he gets the perfect stance and he leans in and the guy with the knife just puts his knife down and puts his hands up. Hey, thanks for joining me, Scott. It's the end of the first hour of the show. We're going to take a three-minute break, come back on the other side. Hopefully, we'll have Lloyd Brunson with us. I'm proud to be partnering with Cedar Mill Fine Firearms. Cedar Mill Fine Firearms does some of the coolest firearms cases you'll find anywhere. Have you ever wanted to carry your AR-15 discreetly? How about a rifle case that looks like a guitar case until you open it up? Go to cedarmillfirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE the next time you're looking for a cleaning kit or a case to carry your firearms. That's cedarmillfirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. This episode of Liberty Lighthouse first aired as National Intel Report on the Public Broadcasting Network, Thursday, June 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The no phone calls are being taken at this time. It's become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down 
We must eat Hey, welcome back to the top of the second hour of National Intel Report Live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 5 Radio, and the Patriot Nation Radio Network, anywhere else you find or watch or listen to the show. Uh, like I opened the show with the very first hour ago, um, you know, I have not acknowledged Pride Month until today, but for the rest of Pride Month, I would like to be referred to as Your Majesty. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're a racist, misogynist, homophobic bigot. Now, having said that, I promised you a guest, and it is uh, Mr. Lloyd Brunson, who was here last week. And I really, really enjoyed our chat last week. Thank you very much for, for coming back, Lloyd. Great to be here. Thank you. And uh, last time you were here, it was last Thursday, it was the day that your Supreme Court case went to, uh, to conference. Yeah. And I believe you might have an update for us. Yeah, people probably know we expected it to be, to be denied, and it was with special kind of a special circumstances that I won't get into. But that gives us a chance for another conference. We get one more conference. And I'm excited because the conference that they denied me in was the last conference before the break. And so we have all summer to raise awareness uh, to let people know that it's there's still a chance for a conference. And just as important what the justices do or don't do is the fact that people are signing their letter supporting a binding oath to the Constitution. They're supporting Article 6 of the Constitution that has the very clear words, they shall be bound by oath to this Constitution. And so they're supporting the Constitution, they're supporting that binding oath, and showing our representatives, showing the justices, and showing the world as we gain momentum in exposing this, that America is waking up to the very important concept that there's a binding oath, and we didn't know it. Right. And you said, you know, I I pulled your website up, I put it up on the screen there in front of us for those of us watching in video form your campaign has sent out 7,941 letters as of today at last count. Yes, but that's in addition to the 70,000 letters that were sent out uh, with my brother's petition because this is, this is a different plaintiff, different lawsuit, but very similar, asking for the same causes of action. So it's like a one-two punch, and it's going to be a one-two-three punch if we have to. Well, one of one of the uh, viewers over on Republic Broadcasting's YouTube channel apparently is very excited to see you. Their chat message is just, yes, Brunson. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, this is about an awakening. You know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And I think I think the meaning of that is you have to know the truth if you're enslaved, if you have a problem. My dad used to teach us, he says, if you know what the problem is, it's half solved. And if you don't know you're enslaved and you don't know why, then you can't solve the problem. So that phrase, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I think we could easily interpret it as as we learn the truth, learn the truth in the most valuable document, the greatest weapon we have in defending our rights. It's not too late to push back. And that's the Constitution of the United States. And as we start with Article 6, the binding oath, and realize that Congress has given themselves immunity and even state statutes having to do with perjury exclude politicians and the oath of office, that's violating Article 6. 
requiring a binding oath. So America just waking up to that and in unity, sending letters to the Supreme Court supporting this petition, which is what the petition is about. It's really about the oath of office. It's about a breach of security. It's about it's about a national a security emergency, and this is a Rule 11 petition. They wouldn't have allowed it to be filed unless the court, court clerk and maybe at least one of the justices decided on their own that they would file it under Rule 11, which they would not do unless the court, the door, the clerk of the court and whoever else had to conclude with their looking it over that it was of imperative public importance. So this is a uh, this is a unique situation. This is the first time someone representing themselves has ever been able to file a Rule 11, a Rule 11 petition for writ of certiorari. And it's just great to see people getting excited about the Constitution, about a binding oath and holding this contract, this binding oath contract in the faces of our representatives and our justices. All right. So you brought up a couple of things there. The writ of certiorari, which is not only, you know, yours is the first time that a pro se litigant has has been able to uh, to request that that writ of certiorari but it's even beyond that it hasn't been done since the 1970s so that's right even with like you know big fancy high-paid lawyers they don't do it it's never been done in the history of the justices careers in the supreme court it's the first one that they've ever seen filed and like you said it wasn't the last one was in the 70s, filed by the federal government, having to do, I was told, with the Nixon administration. So this is a unique and it's a historical time. It's a historical document. And as we find out and learn the truth and participate in a unified way, you know, sending letters to the court and showing them that we support this petition, it's a great beginning to really push back in a very powerful way to save this Constitution and to save our constitutional republic. And, and for anybody out there listening who, who didn't catch last week or doesn't know Loy or, or his case, uh, it's basically a lawsuit saying that is it 358 members of Congress? 385, 385 defendants, but about 385 either current or former, former members of the U.S. House and U.S. Senate. Okay. I was being dyslexic for a moment there. 385 current and former members of, of, the, of Congress who have violated their binding oath by, uh, well, by, by not doing their job. And the binding oath that, that Loy has mentioned here in Article 6 is, I'm going to read this paragraph. This is, you know, straight from Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. The senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislators and all executive and judicial officers both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. So, that, I mean, that's why police officers and judges everywhere and at all levels all take an oath to the Constitution because of that right there. And, and as a, I'm, I'm a mailman. Your postal carrier has to take that oath. They're part of the executive branch of government. All attorneys, all judges, and some state school teachers are required by their states to do that. So mm-hmm. all local politicians, state and federal, yes, those are a lot of people that have taken an oath uh, to the Constitution. And, and how so, many of them have even read it? Well, and that would be the next step, wouldn't it? It's like show them that they, that they are neglecting a binding oath and that they could be held accountable. And now the next step is read what's in it, right? Mm-hmm. 
So you, um, oh man, I had I had a thought, and it just flew out of my head as soon as I opened my mouth. <laughs> um, uh, it's a binding oath. It's uh, I, I forgot. I forgot. I, I did. Well, you I, know, there's in in my book that I have at sevendiscoveries.com. This is a pocket-sized book. It has a pocket constitution in the contents, but this has Q and A in it, and it explains a lot of things having to do with the seriousness of the oath. But inside the front cover is the congressional oath, and the congressional oath is different than the presidential oath. It seems mm -hmm. to have more teeth. They both are just should be just as binding and just as important and mean the same thing, but it's worded a little differently. Right. So I, I remember what I was going to say. Right. So it's regarding the uh, the binding oath. But then the states that have passed the uh, the laws, the laws, laws, perjury you, statutes. Yeah, yeah, the perjury statutes. Where you can't, you can't sue your state representative if they lie. Um, yeah, if 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 they're enemies of the Constitution and they swear to uphold and defend it, but they're really enemies, and they come out and say it like someone by the Barack by the name of Barack Obama that told the world that the foundation of the constitution was fundamentally flawed and basically mm -hmm. saying it was flawed. It's like, <laughs> you know, you can't do that, but they get away with it. Why? Because we, the people aren't up to the level of just knowing that point that they right. have to uphold and defend it. And if they defame it, if they say that another constitution is better and they would replace it, like I think uh, Supreme Court Justice get, did by the name of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. I was going to bring that up. It's like, excuse me, you just violated your oath. You should, was, you know, you should be disciplined. You should be censored, or you should be kicked off the bench for that. Yeah, that's what I thought. You're making comfort to enemies of the Constitution when you say that, and that's what Barack Obama was doing. He was giving aid and comfort to enemies of the Constitution. The definition of that, according to Article Three, Section Three in the Constitution, he swore to uphold and defend, is treason. Yep. When when uh, RBG R yeah. When Ruth Bader Ginsburg, God bless, God rest her soul, when she was asked, if you were going to form a new country, what constitution would you base your government on? And her answer was, was almost knee jerk. Well, it wouldn't be the United States. Unbelievable. And, she, and she's a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. That like, should be I, immediate grounds for removal from the bench. Absolutely. And that question should have been asked to begin with. She's committed perjury right there. She should have been arrested under perjury statutes. It's just like when uh, when President Biden stood in front of a podium during the whole COVID nonsense and stood there and said, all of my constitutional experts say that we can't extend the eviction moratorium, but I'm going to do it anyway. Again, you swore an oath, and then you just, not only are you violating your oath, you're standing at a podium at a press conference in front of cameras, live broadcasting to the world that you're going to break that oath, and nothing was done about it. Exactly. Now, our military, we may be launching a, a campaign to send letters to military generals, reminding them of a binding oath, their number one responsibility when they become an officer, they swear to uphold and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That is their number one priority, their number one job. So there are people out there saying, oh, we're under military law. The Constitution no longer exists. It's like, are you kidding me? That's the number one obligation. 
and job description of our U.S. military. And so we need to send messages to them at letters. We're going to probably launch the campaign to encourage them to uphold their commitment to the Constitution, their binding oath to the Constitution, and to defend it against domestic and foreign enemies, right? Mm -hmm. So think about that. The military has taken an oath to defend the Constitution against domestic enemies. Mm -hmm. so we're going we're gonna to start reminding them, and America needs to wake up, and they're waking up to that fact, too, that they've sworn to defend against domestic enemies is our Congress. Our, our Congress is our police force, basically, to protect the Constitution. And so 145 members of Congress go to Congress and, and U.S. House and Senate and saying, hey, we're the police force, and we see evidence of crimes. We see an attack, mm -hmm. and, and it looks like it could be domestic and foreign. And we better investigate it. You know, if you're attacked, you don't wait until you're imprisoned, you know, until it's over. You investigate immediately. At the first slightest breach, you investigate, right? It's like any problem. You don't wait till it gets too big to solve like a fire. It's a fire. And if there's a flame, you go and you put it out and you find out where that fire came from. And so 385 members of Congress refused to investigate that flame. Right. refuse to do their job and they're the defendants in this federal in these two federal lawsuits where there are two now at the supreme court and they're on the shelf they're both on the shelf and this one is going to be going to another conference it was denied the first conference we have one more conference so and that would probably be in october so with enough public awareness and public support public opinion believe me the justices respond to public opinion especially if it's supporting the oath they swore to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. So this is a great campaign. So we're excited to see the letters coming in at LloydBrunson.com. And you don't have to go there to do a letter if you know how to do a letter to the Supreme Court, but the, this, uh, LloydBrunson.com shows you a simple way to do it. You can do it, you can download for free the PDF to do a letter or for a $2 gift, you can do a letter that actually goes to a fulfillment company and it gets printed and folded and put in an envelope and postage is put on it. And that'll go to the Supreme Court with your personal message and your signature. That's awesome. And I want to say, like, 1990, let me think, December 30th, 1990, I raised my hand and swore an oath to, to support and defend the Constitution when I joined the U.S. Navy. I then, for decades after that, I joined the, the American Legion. And the preamble to the American Legion Constitution is recited at every American Legion meeting. So once a month for decades, I read the preamble, which also swears to defend the Constitution of the United States. Then I became a mailman, and surprise, I had to do it again. And then uh, a year and a half, two years ago, I was sworn in as constable for my little sleepy little town here in Pennsylvania. And what I've noticed in all of those oaths is it always lists the Constitution first. You know, the, the, the oath of enlisted man in the military is, you know, I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America and obey the orders of the President of the United States and the officers appointed by me. But first is the Constitution, then the President, then the officers above me. Yeah. It kind of sounds like a priority thing to me. Like, you know, well... You know, I know people that are in federal positions and police department positions that have been there for many years. And one of them, I said, uh, did you take an oath? And he couldn't remember. 
Couldn't remember. Could not remember if he had taken an oath because it had been in so long. And another person working in a high place in federal government, they all take the oath. Couldn't remember either. Mm-hmm. So you think, good grief, this is the supreme law of the land. Yeah. This is, you know, the accountability that comes with it. And that's what we're raising awareness about is the accountability. And as the public awareness grows, as the letter campaign grows, so does the accountability grow. And so that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this campaign is America is becoming familiar with the Constitution in a really powerful way. And so simply, it takes two minutes to do a letter. Watch the video, LloydBrunson.com. Watch the four-minute video. It explains the case, explains what the situation is. And it just take two minutes to actually engage in a meaningful way to support and defend the Constitution. That's better than any course you could take without engaging. So it's just a fantastic way to be introduced to the Constitution with action. Yeah, I'm all for anything that introduces new people to the Constitution or even refreshes the memory of those. Yeah. Anyway, take that time. Take a quick little sponsor break here and tell you about, uh, let's see, uh, this one, the wellness company. The wellness company, TWC.health. Use the code Lighthouse while you're there. I'll save you a little bit of money. The wellness company is the, uh, you know, it's all of the doctors that were canceled during COVID because they stood up for your medical freedom. They've gotten together and they have formed the wellness company. It's doctors and pharmacists and pharmacies that you can get your virtual care from. You can get your medications from. You can get your supplements from. You can get most. I mean, let's face it. You can do most of your health care over the Internet. It's there's a few exceptions. There are some things where you actually have to go in and see a doctor face-to-face. But most of the stuff that, that, that doctors do, you can do it online. So you can use the wellness company, the unwoke, the anti-woke healthcare company that actually cares about your medical freedom. TWC.health. Use the code Lighthouse while you're there. Sorry, got to try to make a buck while I'm doing this. That's important. Without free enterprise, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have anything in this world. But anyway, it's, without free enterprise, it's like they can give up everything. You go into the mountains without anything. I, I I make so little money at this that if I make a dollar, I get excited. So I woke up. It was yesterday morning or the day before. I don't know, a day or two ago, really recently. I woke up to a little notification on my phone that said, "Hey, you've got an order from your website," and it was somebody buying one of my T-shirts. And I'm like, sweet, I sold a t-shirt. Yay! And I got all excited. It's one t-shirt. And I got what excited. Is it? What does it look like? Well, that particular t-shirt that he bought says uh, across the front, it says, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, all other genders are from Uranus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> that's a, that's a, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to order one of those. <laughs> I know someone I will give it to. I probably wouldn't wear it in public, but hey, it is a planet, right? Yeah. Oh, and I, and I spelled it that way too. I, I spelled yeah, it right. Like yeah, that's very very clever. Pretty provocative there. But I have a friend that would get a kick out of that. I think I mean well, you have to show me how to order one of those. I'm trying to pull them up on the screen so I can show you some of them. But the, the most popular one I have is a is a big black picture of an AR-15, okay. and it says it's because I'm black, isn't it? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to look at your whole uh, arsenal of T-shirts. Yeah, well, liberty-lighthouse.com, and then click on shop, and you can find all the, okay. all right. the goodies there. Um, 
Liberty dash lighthouse.com. Yep. Liberty Liberty dash lighthouse. Lighthouse. Hyphen. Okay. Got it. Well, good. I finally got it to load on, you know, over here on the other computer so I can pull it up on the screen and show you something. Um, Okay, so what's the next step for your case? You need, you you need support. You need letters. Oh well, yes, need- yes. And this is this is what I suggest people do, and I'm doing it. Go to LloydBrunson.com and watch that that video that a volunteer. He's a producer. He's a big time producer. Produces for Mike Huckabee, and you watch the five minute video. It shows about the letter campaign. And then if you if you like it, then find someone that is a leader of a group. And go to them and have them watch it in your presence on their phone or their laptop. And once they do that, ask them if they will show it to their group. And if they will, then you be there and you help these people do a letter on their laptop or their phone or or however they want to do it. And then ask them to do the same. Go to a group, go to a family member, go to, you know, a club and do the same thing. And if we can grow this exponentially and we have some plans in place, I'm going to be meeting with some people that could really make a big difference that know about the case and they've been positive towards the case and pretty high profile people. I'll be with them coming up in uh, West Palm beach uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. So uh, do that and, and just see how you feel watching the video and, uh, and then watching them watch it and see how they feel about it and then go to the group that they show it to and then get them. And I mean, it's just an incredible opportunity. It's so simple. Just have them watch the video and say, hey, let's support the Constitution with a letter to the Supreme Court. I mean, if we wanted to support the Constitution with a letter, where would you send it? And we have an opportunity and a reason now to send it to the Supreme Court because we have two petitions there, right? So it's a very cool opportunity, a very rare time in history where we can actually support the Constitution with a letter that is accepted by the Supreme Court as friends of the court, and they file every single letter. And then you'll be able to tell your grandkids that you helped your family and you participated in this in this movement to support the Constitution. With a letter. I was I was, I was going to bring that up again too. It's a, it's a friend of the court letter, and they all get logged. Like they're they every single one of them get filed. Yes, they yeah. It's important. It's a part of the part of the part of the petition. That's, what That's I awesome. All right, so you got seventy thousand that went before you got seven thousand that have gone from your own website let's make that seven seven thousand seventy thousand or so we're approaching eighty thousand approaching eighty thousand letters and 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 i think we i think we can get a million letters somewhere. we may get more or at least multiple hundreds of thousands and so that's the goal we're going to just go full speed ahead and get a few people i've been introduced to tucker and he's you know he's interested in learning about this he hasn't supported it yet but president trump you know, truth and retruth an article. And uh, so uh, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks, see if uh, we get a big boost. Well, it's, I mean, it's certainly, you've made it easy. You know, you go to LloydBrunson.com and click the, the, the you know, $2 donation, write a letter campaign, and they do it all for you. It's two bucks. Come on, think about it. A stamp is 63 cents plus an envelope, plus your paper, plus your ink. It, Two bucks is nothing. Plus it, the fulfillment it, company, plus the credit card charges. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've, credit card charges. Yeah, I forgot about so that. So that's up there. We tried to keep it as close to just break even as we could. So, 
And it sounds to me like you, you got it pretty close there. Uh, so, yeah, I got up on the screen the shirt that was bought last night. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. All of those are from Uranus. And uh, it is now break time. Boy, I don't know if you want to stick around for the next half hour. You don't have to. We didn't commit to it. But I got to take a three-minute break. Take a break. I got to get going, but I'm going to try to, try to stay close. So I'll, keep hearing, I'll keep hearing you. All right. Thank you. If you live stream, I want you to check out Restream. Restream is how this broadcast is being simultaneously sent to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, DLive, and Rumble. Not only that, but your guests can also pair their video platforms with your broadcast and have your broadcast on your platforms and their platforms all at the same time. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash restream, and I'll save you $10 off for the premium service that I know you're going to want. That's liberty-lighthouse.com slash restream. This episode of Liberty Lighthouse first aired as National Intel Report on the Republic Broadcasting Network, Thursday, June 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. No phone calls are being taken at this time. I am just an average fan, and I do really just want to be left alone. I'm Peter Serafine, and this is the final segment of National Intel Report, Liberty Lighthouse. And uh, I was just looking up one of the sponsors there, 3D Bunkers. That looks cool. 3dbunkers.com. 3D printed polymer concrete in like two days. It's awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, I don't, you know, where was I going? You know, Lloyd brought up a lot of stuff. We need to help Lloyd Brunson out. His case is very important. The The oath to the Constitution is why I do what I do. Like I said, it was December 31st, 1990. It, that's what a way to spend New Year's Eve, right? December 31st, 1990, 18-year-old me st- stand in a military entrance processing station, raised my right hand, swore the oath to the U.S. Constitution for the first time. And then uh, about five years ago, I looked around the world and went, uh, this is getting crazy. And I need to, uh, to do something about that oath. And, and that's when I started to get involved in politics. I've written two books. You can find those at liberty-lighthouse.com along with the funny t-shirts. But I've written two books, and I started the show, and I, I, I write articles and blog posts and stuff like that. I, I do what I can to try to get people to remember that it's the U.S. Constitution that made the United States the beacon of hope around the world. It's the U.S. Constitution that made the United States the, the home of liberty and freedom that spawned all of the liberty and freedom movements around the world in the, in the following century. It's the U.S. Constitution that today is still used in uprisings as the shining example of what a government could be. But that's not the government that we have anymore. And that's actually the next shirt I plan to make and put on the the website, something to the effect of proud to be American, ashamed of my government, or something like that. I, I haven't 
quite figured it out. But it's 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 bouncing around in my head. And there'll be a new T-shirt going up on liberty-lighthouse.com here real soon. So we kind of bounced around a lot. I usually try to spend the majority of the two hours of this show on one particular topic. But you know what? We bounced around a lot tonight. We started with the Biden economy, the Bidenomics, as they're now calling it, Bidenflation, as I've always called it. Then we had Scott Thompson coming on. We were talking about the 1.6 million defensive gun uses in our country every year, saving at least 1.6 million innocent lives, probably more, but we'll never know because there was a good guy with a gun there to stop whatever horrible thing was going to happen. Then we went on to Lloyd Brunson's website, or uh, lawsuit, the Supreme Court case. I think next I want to talk about the latest thing that the Supreme Court did. Just, I don't know, a few hours ago, the Supreme Court released their decision about affirmative action in college. And they, they said that you can't use you can't use race in college admissions anymore. Affirmative action has been determined to be racist. Uh, duh. I think anybody who understood the Constitution realized that affirmative action was racist the moment it was proposed. And it took, what, 30 years? 40 years? How long has it been? For the Supreme Court to finally do something about it. And they've done it in college admissions. But only in college admissions. What about hiring? What about promotions? What what about out in the real world? I mean, Title IX protects us from discrimination in a lot of different situations, not just in college admissions. So how long do you think it's going to be before the next case is brought up about all of the diversity, equity, and inclusion movements and push that's been going on in the world lately. See, D-I-E, diversity, or diver, D-E-I, die is probably more appropriate, but diversity, equity, and inclusion has been pushed for you know a couple of years now pretty hard and heavy. That's basically affirmative action. So how is this going to work out? Is that going to be the next big case that shows up in front of the Supreme Court? And if so, can we expect the same 6-3 ruling that we got for the college admissions affirmative action case? I don't know the answer to that. But I'm not done talking about it yet either. I want to hear what you have to say. It is a live call-in show. Please call in at 512-248-8252. Or if you want the toll-free line, it's 800-313-9443. Call in and tell me what you think about the Supreme Court case ending affirmative action in college admissions. The other thing I want to talk about in that whole situation is uh, 
well, the, the latest Supreme Court justice, Ms. Katanji Brown-Jackson, and for that matter, um, our vice president, Ms. Kamala Harris. Wouldn't the fact that like both of those people got their jobs because the president of the United States said beforehand that he was going to appoint a black female vice president. Um, that's affirmative action. Ketanji Brown-Jackson, the same thing with the Supreme Court. The president said, I will appoint a black female justice given the chance to do so. And he did. That's affirmative action. So it's no surprise that Ketanji Brown-Jackson was one of the three justices that dissented from that opinion, the 6-3 decision ending affirmative action in college, because it was affirmative action. It was the only reason she has her job. Just let's face it. Black people make up 13% of the population. So if you think black women would make up, let's say, 7% of the population, and what percentage of that 7% do you think goes to law school, becomes an attorney, becomes qualified, to be a Supreme Court justice. What ever happened to meritocracy? Why don't we just pick the best person for the job anymore, regardless of race, creed, color, gender identity, whatever? We have to make everything about skin color. popped into my head. I don't have it in my notes, so forgive me if I mess up details of this. Somebody can out there, you can fact check me and you can correct me, but one of the big orchestras, and I, like big like the Boston Philharmonic, like one of the really big orchestras in our country, they used to do their, their auditions as literally blind auditions. They had a screen up on the stage where you could not see the person playing their instrument. So they were hired entirely, strictly, and solely on their ability to play their instrument, to do what it is that they're applying for. That's a perfect meritocracy. The person who sounds the best is going to get the job playing in the orchestra. <gasps> My God. But of course, not terribly long ago, like within the last couple of years, they decided that that wasn't equitable. So they removed the screen and they can now see who's playing because they want to give credit based on skin color. Again, affirmative action. So when does that come to an end? Just because it's end in, you know, it has to end in the uh, college admissions process doesn't mean it's ending everywhere yet. We need to do something about it. Thanks to Chris over in uh, 
watching watching the video via the the uh, RBN YouTube channel, who says that he will spread the word this July Fourth weekend, spread the word of of the letter writing campaign of Lloyd Brunson. I hope you're saying, I'm, I'm sorry, anybody of you, any one of you that is watching through the RBN YouTube channel, I can't reply to you via text in the comments. I'm sorry. So, uh, I. Quite honestly, I, I ignore a bunch of these. We got eye on the eyes on the audit said hello and thank you very much. We got a whole bunch from from Chris here, um, Brian and Debbie McCartney. Like I, I can't reply in the in the text of the comments because it's a paired channel. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, starting next week when I have my own YouTube channel, if you watch from there, I'll be able to type comments. But uh, for now, sorry, can't do that. So yeah. Go out and follow my YouTube channel. That will be up by next weekend. It's at Liberty-Lighthouse. At Liberty-Lighthouse. So I'd really like to hear from you about some of this stuff. I want to know what your thoughts are of the affirmative action thing. Am I wrong? Is it going to spread beyond the college admission process? I really hope it is. Because this is... It's silly to have have it only work in one area, but not others. Anyway, you know what? I haven't done one of my, uh, well, one of my little funny parody bits in quite some time. So let's try one of those right now. Do you feel that your neighbor should pay for your overpriced, worthless college degree? Do you think some guns should be banned just because they look scary? Do you believe the phrase all lives matter is racist, but black lives matter is social justice? Are fascist tactics acceptable when used for anti-fascist causes? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be one of the almost 50% of Americans suffering from a disease known as liberal progressivism. Recognizing the early warning signs is the key to recovery. A few of the early warning signs are feeling offended by 100-year-old statues, the desire to silence opposing opinions, and blindly following edicts without question. There is hope. A complete recovery may still be possible. A little bill called Liberty is the key to healing. Combine Liberty in a cocktail of common sense and personal responsibility, and liberal progressivism is reversible. Liberal progressivism is a serious disease and should be treated immediately. This message brought to you by the founding fathers in conjunction with the United States Constitution. The United States of America is the greatest country in the history of the world. Okay. So... Still hoping to hear from your, hear your calls regarding the Supreme Court affirmative action case, but I'm going to move on. I spent a bunch of time in the last day or so playing with chat GPT. I don't know if any of you have done that yet, and I encourage you to do so. And I'm going to explain why. I think it's important because it, it's an it's a you know artificial intelligence language model that learns not only what's on the internet, but it learns from the individual transactions with the people that use it. So I think we should teach it some things. So I got on there and I asked some questions and I said, you know, please list the enumerated powers of the U.S. Constitution. And and its answer was the enumerated powers in the United States Constitution refer to the specific powers granted to the federal government and then it says these powers are outlined in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, and it lists the 16 points of Article 1, Section 8. I thought that was pretty neat. 
But it also then said, it's worth noting that the 10th Amendment to the Constitution reserves power not specifically granted to the federal government, to the states or the people. What? Chat GPT knows that if the government is trying to do one of the things that's not listed, that they shouldn't be doing it? Surprising. But then I asked, uh, I, 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 asked, I argued with it, basically. I said, well, the federal government clearly does more than you listed. What is my recourse? And the answer was, you are correct. The federal government's powers and responsibilities extend beyond the specific enumerated powers outlined in the U.S. Constitution. Over time, the interpretation and application of the Constitution have evolved through various legal doctrines, court rulings, and amendments. This has resulted in the expansion of federal authority in certain areas. Chat GPT, an AI language model that was proven to be clearly liberal bias in the beginning, is acknowledging that our federal government has overstepped its bounds. I was impressed. It says if you believe the federal government has overstepped its boundaries, well, you can judicial review, advocacy and public engagement, legislative action, constitutional amendments. Like It lists out the things that we can do, not in great detail, but it gives a little bit of how to address our government redress grievances to our government. Funny. Well, then I thought, all right, let's, let's get into some more opinionated stuff. So I thought, you know, what about the Constitution Party? For those out there who don't know me, I am registered to the Constitution Party of the United States. I am not a Democrat nor a Republican. I am a constitutionalist. So I asked ChatGPT, what is the Constitution Party of the United States? And its answer was, the Constitution Party is a political party in the United States that promotes a platform based on strict adherence to the original intent of the U.S. Constitution. The party places a strong emphasis on limited government, individual liberty, free markets, constitutional principles. It seeks to uphold what is considered to be the foundational values of the United States. I asked that question, and I wholeheartedly expected ChatGPT to answer me with right-wing extremist political party or something to that effect. And it didn't. It, it gave, well, really the, the real value of the Constitution Party. Then it gave a little bit of history saying that, you know, it was founded in 1992 as the U.S. Taxpayer Party and changed its name in 99 and blah, 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 blah. And then it goes on and it lists seven points of the party platform. None of which seems inherently biased. I was, hmm, I was confused because I had already heard from other talk show hosts that ChatGPT was, was programmed and had a clear liberal bias. And so I said, is fair tax a good idea? 
and it wouldn't answer because, you know, it's an AI language model. It, it can't determine a good idea from a bad idea, but here are the arguments in favor of fair tax, and it gave four bullet points, and then it gave, here are some of the arguments against fair tax, and it gave four bullet points again. So not only has it learned to be somewhat unbiased, like it, it learned to give four bullet points for and four, four bullet points against, but I thought that some of the bullet points against were kind of shabby. I thought they were pretty easily debunked. So I argued a little bit with ChatGPT. I said, um, yeah, well, I know I can't find it because I don't have an order. I, I argued with it and said, well, one of your bullet points against is that uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the potential economic impact would be regressive to the low lower income people. And I said, well, the bill addresses that with a prebate. And then it comes on and it goes, back, oh, you're right, it does. And then it says one of the bullet points against was the administrative challenges of establishing a, a consumption-based tax. And I said, but there really is no administrative challenge. Every state in the nation already has a sales tax. Just tap into the existing system to collect the money. And it argued. And it said that, oh, well, it's not quite that easy and all this other kind of stuff. That was fun. I think it's important that we do that. Whether we like it or not, artificial intelligence, AI, things like ChatGPT, they're common. And they're going to take over a lot of, well, just question and answer kind of jobs. There's a a lot of newspaper articles out there that you've probably read that were written by some kind of artificial intelligence. I asked it to write me an article, actually. I said, you know, write me an article about why 1913 was a terrible year as a constitutional originalist. And it did. It, it bashed on the, the 16th Amendment as uh, encroaching on states' rights and and changing the structure and the flow of money and, and like it did good and it mentioned the Federal Reserve and it, it did good it didn't talk about the 17th Amendment so I asked it again I said well what about the 17th Amendment wasn't that bad too and it replied to that and said well as a constitutional originalist you would think that yeah it is bad because you're taking power from states and a, a Address they're attacking the state sovereignty and independence. So, you know, I've always said that 1913 was a terrible year for our country, and I give three reasons the 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment, and the creation of the Federal Reserve. Chat GPT got two of the three, and when I, when I brought up the third, it agreed. Well, it agreed as a constitutionalist that I would think that. Anyway, I think it's important that we go to these things and we argue with it. Have these conversations and help it learn. One of the fun ones that I did, I asked it about gun violence. I'm trying to find it in my notes as, as I'm talking. I'm sorry. I asked about how many people die in 
or how many people shot in Chicago. And it went on this long diatribe about how, well, it's not Chicago as a whole. It's a couple of certain areas. The question I asked was, why are there so many shootings in Chicago? And the answer was, the issue of shootings and violence in Chicago is complex and multifaceted. Problem, a, a complex and multifaceted problem that has been the subject of much analysis and discussion. Blah, 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 blah. And it gave a few reasons. Number one, socioeconomic factors. Number two, gang activity. Number three, illegal firearms. Number four, community trust. Number five, systemic issues. And it gave a little bit more detail on all of this. So the next I asked, well, when was the last time there was a homicide in Kennesaw, Georgia? And it said, I'm not able to access that information. So I looked it up. And I told ChatGPT, well, according to my records, the last recorded homicide in Kennesaw, Georgia was 2014. And in Kennesaw, Georgia, every homeowner is required to have a firearm. Isn't there a correlation to the extremely low homicide rate to the ownership of firearms? And ChatGPT said, oh, wait, you can't, call, uh, can't claim causality of the presence of guns. So I threw that back at ChatGPT and said, well, couldn't the same be done for anti-gun laws? You can't claim that violence goes down because you pass a new gun law like in Chicago. And at this point, this argument was actually getting fun because you could almost hear the, the wheels grinding in ChatGBT. When I brought up Kennesaw, Georgia, one homicide since 2014, the thinking time with a little cursor flashing on the screen but nothing being printed yet, was the longest of any of the questions I had asked it. I, I probably sat on the couch for like a half an hour asking ChatGPT fun questions. And usually, it threw something up pretty quick. But that one made it think. It also made me look. Kennesaw, Georgia, now, I think the, the data I was looking at was from 2021, so two years ago. But at that time, nine out of the ten years going back in history, going backwards, nine out of the ten years, they had had zero homicides in Kennesaw. One year, 2014, they had one. So in ten years, Kennesaw, Georgia had one person killed by a firearm. I'm apt to think that's because everybody, all the criminals, know that there's a, probably a gun in every house. That makes sense to me. So why did the anti-gun argument not be the inverse? Like, why doesn't... Ah, logic. I don't understand why people can't see it. You know, the... 
the four or five cities in our country that are all run by Democratic administrations that have been like largely controlled by Democrat administrations. I mean, like really largely Democrat administrations for decades have the highest crime rates, the highest murder rates. You know, if you look at, you know, death by gunfire in the 192 countries of the world or whatever it is, we're ranked like number six. Like, we're pretty high up there. But if you take out those four or five Democrat cities that all have the strictest gun laws, you take them out, and we drop to like 185. That's crazy, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's my own personal bias. But that seems obvious. Why can't more people see it? Where do most people see it? Just not those in, in charge. That's always possible. They don't seem to pay attention to us. Nor do they seem to have common sense. Anyway, we've come to the end of the show. If you're listening live on Republic Broadcasting Network here Thursday night, please stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett. Thank you to my two guests for joining me this evening. Greatly appreciate that. Thank you, Mike, my producer. Could not do this show without you. And thank you most of all to you, my listeners and callers. After all, you are why I do this show. Until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. We must take the